Demons Discuss TV Show Review, Season 3, Episode 3. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie. With me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hello. And what are we talking about today, Jean? We are talking about episode three. We are going on a road trip. It's Grab your passport. Yay! Yay. <laughs> the only time they get to use our passports. I know. Oh. In the land of make-believe where COVID doesn't exist, right? Exactly. <laughs> it looks like they took a private plane, too. Thank you, Baldwin. Let's have a Matthew drum roll for our random patron sponsor today, who happens to be Lynn Serrano. Thank you, Lynn. Yay. And now we are going to do the disclaimer. Here we go. (laughs) In this episode, we will attempt to cover what is only on screen. We are not covering the books. We are not covering future episodes. We are just dealing with episode three today. What that means is we're going to get you to a point. And after that point, we're going to send an alarm and say, hey, those of you who don't want spoilers, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Boy, bye. Gene will give you a demon kiss and then we will go on. But for those of you who don't care about spoilers, you don't care what the hell we say after this. You don't care if your experience is spoiled because you live for that or you read the book and you're interested in how how we compare and contrast the books to this episode and stay tuned after the break. So that's what I got. Did I miss anything? Anybody? Uh, we'll probably we, fuck up along the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's That's true. a guarantee. We will talk about the story as a whole in the spoiler zone, the books versus episode three, but we will not go farther than episode three. We won't talk about four or five or beyond that. Yeah. yeah. There we go. We're done. Thank <laughs> you. That's three episodes in a row. I didn't forget it. I won't have to do a voiceover. It's great. Great. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> did I just hear you crack your knuckles, Val? I did. Ha. <laughs> this show is brought to you by your fellow listeners, everybody. Our patrons are throwing us some dollars in the non-stripper kind of way, guys. Eh, don't get it twisted. It's all family friendly. Family friendly. <laughs> to make sure we can keep going and do the things we need to do so we can continue to bring you a quality production. Patrons at all levels will receive access to our exclusive after show podcast. Yeah. That's why I wrote that right. (laughs) Where you can get deep, dark secrets of all kinds. Yeah, deep, dark secrets is basically our lives in a nutshell, our gripes, our work worries. Secrets. Um, Yeah, and then we talk about TV shows and we talk about, I don't know, whatever comes to mind. A lot of times we hear about Angela's kids' adventures and all that stuff. But our after show is on hiatus while we're doing the TV production. But after that, it's going to be after show only for a while until we're ready to pick up Book of Life again. Angela, why should somebody become a patron? Well, depending on your membership level, you could get various swag, buttons, stickers, bags, I don't know, maybe t-shirts, who knows, whatever Valerie dreams up. Regardless of your membership level, you'll get entered into a quarterly drawing and Valerie again will come up with some fabulous prize. Last year we did the divination package, this year TBD, but you'll get something fabulous. Yeah, Mm -hmm. You'll have access to the Patreon 
on Community. So when Valerie does her posts, and she does little sneak peeks of coming episodes, she'll do outtakes when we <laughs> really mess up. Yeah, and they're too funny to throw out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. all sorts of odds and ends, just like our after show, which you get the bye weeks when we're not doing the TV show. Yeah. So if you guys are interested, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss and that ends that. So anything else before we start the wagon, everybody? Let's do this. Let's do Let's it. Go. Okay. Woohoo. Opening scene. We're in New Orleans, everybody. Matthew's in the street listening in on Marcus's negotiations with Geraldine. Yes. Lady lawyer for the win. So Matthew's listening in. Let's listen in too to this conversation. for your mental well-being after you turn up here week after week. You just listen to what we have to say. We have, Marcus. We've heard all about Matthew Sion, coming just as the congregation announced blood rage is back. So you know. Yes, we know. See, I've been thinking about that part of the story, Anna. I don't believe they give a damn about us. If they do, where have they been for the last couple of centuries? Tell Matthew you did your best. There isn't a vampire in this family who hasn't heard you pitch a scion. There is one. (laughs) Don't even think about it. Oh my God. She exudes girl power for sure. Oh my God. Elegant. Strong, yeah, assertive, yeah, takes no shit. Yep. Oh God, no! Mm-mm. Oh man, that girl's got the side eye down pat. All right, and Geraldine is no go on the scion. They walk out, and Matthew's waiting for them. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody else has noticed it, but mm-hmm. the, what's standing in for the New Orleans courthouse is the museum that was the site of All Souls Con. I did not notice that. Yeah, because when she comes out where the table was set in with the not inspection, it's like, oh, right. How can this be a courthouse without a metal detector, people? Come on now. It's the United <laughs> States. There is not a single courthouse anywhere that doesn't have a fucking metal detector. But I digress. Oh, well, I mean, if you didn't know that, you didn't know. So, yeah, well. yeah there's also no masks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we're not I'm living sorry. in that world. No, no, but yeah. I'm saying that world's been around since yeah. the 80s. But like I said, I, I digress. But the, if you look, Look beyond the, that table. The stairs we took down for the lunchroom are right behind him. Oh, well placed. See, Jean, I didn't even notice that. Okay, I don't notice stupid crap. <laughs> <laughs> So Geraldine, her overall attitude is like, boy, bye. You killed our family, our loved ones, and Ransom was there to pick up the pieces. So, you know, you got to go. And I like this line she had. As they found the bodies and dug the graves while you sat in your seven towers. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Boom. And then she waves them off. (laughs) And then we're into the theme music. There will be no scion. Go home. And I'm just like. Yeah, and it's about maybe calling her a surrogate. I kind of wanted to smack the smug out of his mouth. Yeah. 
And yeah. I did love the Seven Towers remark, too, because she's yes. like, I speak French. I could speak French. I'm not going to speak French. Yeah, your stupid Seven right. Towers. <laughs> you sat in your Seven Towers, you know, yeah. while we're sitting here picking up bodies and burying them, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and Marcus is, like, just so Gen Z about the whole, it's like, dude, I can handle this. You're taking boomer energy in there, and you're messing it all up. I know. You're fucking it all up, dude. <laughs> So Marcus and Matthew are arguing about the way to approach Ransom. And then they reach the house and realize Jack has run off. Apparently this happens all the time. (laughs) And like the staging was like a little chair tipped over here, another chair tipped over there. It was like the the fake burglary to cover up the murder of a spouse that's always on Snapped. Yeah. I've seen this on Snapped. It didn't work there either. (laughs) So Jack's run out. I'm like, oh, so this happens all the time now. We're getting the idea that it's like, oh yeah, he's gone again. Yeah, it's it's, it's like an untrained dog almost. What are you doing here? (laughs) Why are you playing it this way? (laughs) Oh God, there goes another pair of shoes. (laughs) My charger. (laughs) Oh no. I'm going to have to replace that baseboard. (sighs) Matthew finds him in the graveyard and I thought it was very authentic for a gravesite in the area. I I thought they did a really good job. I'm going to digress there too a little bit. It was very Victorian for me. Okay. And the fake Spanish moss. I don't think there's much in the way of Spanish moss in the city. Like I said, it's no. real picky. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, maybe if it was a family graveyard back in the bayou, I'd buy it. But it's like somebody who is doing set dressing is like, oh, Spanish moss equals New Orleans. Mm, mm. Not quite. Let's see. Jean with her details again. <laughs> I mean, I'm taking an overall look. I'm like, yeah, no, looks I mean, they did a fantastic good. job of yeah. turning Wales into New Orleans, creepy, yeah. creepy Southern Gothic. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Yeah. But I, I guess the above ground crypts are so iconic because of the water table. It's kind of yeah. odd to see them like running through an albeit very cool looking graveyard. And I'm yeah. suspecting it was probably a real one that they just zhuzhed up. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. So this isn't a spoiler, but in the book, he's in the Garden District. And yeah. yeah. But thank God they didn't like treat us to an alligator, too. That would have been just a little bit too on the nose. Over the top? I mean, <laughs> might have made it fun. I don't know. <laughs> Stereotyping much? All right. So Jack is in the midst of a rage and Matthew talks him down from the tree. Matthew wants to know what triggered it. And we're to assume, I mean, from what they said, it seems like Benjamin's recordings did it. So they keep replaying back in his head how that's reasonable how he was manipulated and watching himself go through that. I really liked this particular scene because they were so good in it. I mean, Toby got the vulnerability just perfect. I like him when his hair is like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's superficial, but his hair looks very nice, very loose. Yeah. And Matthew was so... Matthew Good's dad training came through in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. He played very fatherly and it it worked. It really worked for me. Matthew Good in this whole series has just been tip top. Mm-hmm. Pitch perfect. All the way. He's been what we he's needed to be, and he's been what we have wanted him to be. Yes. Yes. He's been so good in intimate scenes. I think he raises the bar for whoever he's acting with, and everybody's just better because of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Oh, and one final thing, the comment about his hair being so nice here, Vale. Yes. He would be a great Armand. Oh. Think about that. I didn't think of that. Okay. okay. Rewatching it this morning. 
thing. I'm like, oh, he's got that young, angelic Armand look to him. So if they're still casting about for interview, look at this kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, new scene. We digress. <laughs> anyway, That's what we do. Back in the lab, Miriam is trying to reach Matthew. They need samples. Miriam tells the story of New Orleans and says, why do you think we're looking for a cure? The story of New Orleans and Chris hearing it for the first time and how there was a big call and we're getting that in dribs and drabs and it's just like whoa what the fuck did Matthew do in New Orleans if I was coming straight from the mm-hmm. TV show and not at the books be yes. like what oh, the yeah. fuck happened here yeah wow. and then that was such a sh- short scene with them and it was so good and they just shoved so much information and tension mm-hmm. and history in it yeah and, and I love how he's kind of like the voice of reason yeah he's very sensible mm-hmm. like Matthew yeah. called a bunch of people even though he's got it same thing what uh, I don't get it yeah, yeah I know yeah. And, and he's not <laughs> hypocrite <laughs> Really? <laughs> and I, I, all I kept thinking of during this scene is like fucking Matthew and his brooding. It's like, answer the goddamn phone. Yeah, true. All right. So new scene. Phoebe and Diana are talking about their research. They're discussing Dr. D's library. And Sarah just is in the background seeming incredibly bored. And she's like, yeah, you want anything to eat? Eh, nobody needs me here. Fuck you guys. You right. <laughs> so Almost exact too. words. It's yeah. kind of like, why am I even here? I don't yeah, yeah. Let me go back to my hole. I mean, it's like, I got to go back, do something because nobody's thinking about him. Hello, Emily's dead. Right. I I mean, if I were Sarah, I I totally understand that. So she sulks out and Phoebe and Diana are totally engrossed in this mystery. Yeah, they don't even notice that she she sulked out and it was like, really? Come on, people. Uh, The Book of Soiga and it's in the British Library and Eureka. That was a nice little Easter egg for them to pop in there. And it was returned to D in 1595. So they're spooling the connections of Edward Kelly, which we saw in season two, and Dr. D, we also saw in season two. And if we're paying attention, they're pivotal gatekeepers to Ashmole 72, and they make plans for Diana to go to the British Library. And Galglass is like, cool, what time are we leaving? <laughs> <laughs> and Diana's like, really, dude? I got this. And Galglass is like, yeah, Matthew's orders. Uh-huh. It was Matthew's orders. That's why I'm going. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That's the story. We'll take it. Yeah. We'll take it. Okay. So I'm back in America, back in New Orleans. There's a card game going on. And I believe it was a docking port in a shipyard. Marcus shows up and is like, come on, deal me in. Back in London, Sarah's by herself with a grilled cheese sandwich. And Sarah's being reminiscent of Emily who used to concoct her best magic with bread and cheese. And I thought that was sweet. Yeah. And Sarah gives Diana some witchy advice to trust her instincts right here. So... Yeah, I mean, sure, I'll trust them, I guess. I don't know. Back at the docks, Marcus is losing his money at this poker game. <laughs> Marcus's family members are letting him know they were wondering when the bodies would show up again. So, yeah, they're like, okay, these people, they kill people. Right. You know? It's like, yeah, nobody's on Matthew's side. He kills people. And Marcus is like, I'm on Matthew's side. And they're like, oh, you turncoat, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be upset about the Bud Light bottles because that was just like, really? <laughs> oh, Really? Come on now. You got the backroom poker scene down right, and then you've got them drinking Bud Light? Come on. I know. But I mean, isn't that what British people think Americans drink? Americans drink. (laughs) It's like Turbo Dog. Come on. (laughs) 
At least it wasn't Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah. Oh, that would have been way too hipster. Way too hipster. Let's get some PBRs. They don't have to have beards. All right. Sorry. Ugh. But it, it took me out of the scene because all I kept doing is looking at that Bud Light bottle going, Ew. Why is it there? I mean, is is this ad placement? Because Phoebe's Microsoft laptop, too, is front and center. I know. I'm like, what the? <laughs> Phoebe, I thought you had better judgment. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stop. Let me stop. All right. So Gal Glass and Diana are at the British Library and she's about to do some magical sleuthing. Well, let me not leave this part out where Gal Glass is like continuing to walk in and and she's like, excuse me, where are you going? You don't have like, a card. <laughs> you don't have a card. She's like, I got this. Okay, bye. And uh, I'll leave it for the spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's doing some magical sleuthing, like I said. The desk librarian is checking on her occasionally, but Diana's woven this spell to hide what she's doing, and magic mischief ensues right mm-hmm. here. I kind of like how the special effects folks got pulled this one I off. did, too. I did, too, because every time the librarian would glance up, she'd be like, la-di-da, just looking at the book. No big yeah. deal. Meanwhile, she's like manipulating like those, all kinds of things. those fake Zoom pictures where you look like you're part of the meeting, but you're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is something we could all relate to. Oh, my God. <laughs> After all of her machinations, she's come to the conclusion that Hubbard has the answer. And it's like, oh, well, Hubbard. Okay. Books aside, would you have gotten that as a TV viewer that does that age spent Hubbard? Well, she said it. She I know she said it, it but, yeah. but would no, without no. that. Mm-mm. No. Okay. So now we're in London at Hubbard's at Helen's Dish Limited. He's accepting his newest flock member via bloodletting ceremony in an office. Well, it's not what? even in the office. It's kind of like in the open part of the office where you I stick the, steno, the typing pool. Yeah. <laughs> when they used to have a typing pool. <laughs> it's like all the different account holders or the account yeah. <laughs> accountants just out there just, you know, making their regular calls in a cubicle and he's just there. <laughs> yes, welcome to my floor. Here, let's do some bloodletting. It's all good to go. I, I mean, is Blush there a cake? <laughs> Do they have a cake? Is there punch? Yeah. It's kind of a a weird HR move. Got some cake and punch sitting in the kitchen. So we see Peter waiting in the waiting area. And I thought that was funny. And Gene, you brought up the fucking Beetlejuice thing. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a a, a rigid briefcase sitting in his lap, you know, resting his hands on top of it with it sitting in his lap. And it would have been like, man, they are really making you cool your heels, dude. And a shrunken head. (laughs) (laughs) Although he was so disheveled, it was just about the next best thing to a shrunken head. He He really fell off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so that. Crack magic. Yeah. What did you think about their conversation, though? It's just like, what are you into, Peter? I mean, he looked really desperate. He was like, oh, fuck it. I'll just go to Hubbard. Yeah, but he's still, you know? he's, yeah, and he's going to, still thinks the dick swinging is going to work. That's the funny part. And Hubbard's like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry you lost your space in the congregation, but. Dude, I don't mm. even pay attention to this shit, and I know. And I know what's up. <laughs> that was the best part. And then he tries to threaten him. Why? Oh, Why did my you think God. this was going to work, Peter? And then he threatens. Hubbard and Hubbard just turns around and he shows him his boss and I was like up cheering. I was I like, mean, yes! Hubbard can handle his own, but FYI, do you know who my maker is? Yeah. I mean, I've had to deal with some serious shit over the years. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> I'm not going to take your bullshit. It was probably right. one of my favorite scenes in this episode because it was like he's got him up like Matthew had Louisa and oh yeah and Bedlam, and he's like basically I'm not going to take any of your shit. Don't even try to threaten me. Yeah. And then he just sort of like lets him down, gives him a look, and buttons his coat. Mm-hmm. He's back to being like bandbox perfect. And by the way, Paul suits fit him very well as yeah, too. Very they good. did a wonderful job on his tailoring as well. And yeah. then he sent him off with a blessing that sounded exactly like fuck off. Right. Yeah. He's like, with my blessing. Yeah. <laughs> pat pat on the head. Here you go. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. I know yeah. he's hovered, but I and this is again says more about me than anything else. I did want him to be a little bit more Matthew with Louisa with <laughs> Peter. I wanted him to be a little bit rougher. I know. I loved it. <laughs> Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Is Peter anything without that petrosphere? Exactly. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> That's why I don't understand magic wands. I'm like, are you you're nothing without it? You you have to like yeah. learn to navigate with just what your your own self. It's like that is a serious crutch, Peter. I mean, that puts you at a serious disadvantage against it's other witches. Like he's never lost his he's never been able to get off of his training wheels. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like Peter Well and Satu shot it through the window, so Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I was like, go Hubbard. Yeah. Badass. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And now go with my blessing. <laughs> Which was perfect. Perfection. <laughs> I cackled at that. That was so funny. So at the London house, Sarah's packed, ready to beat feet. <gasps> Fuck this shit, I'm out. She didn't take same notes. Sarah's beating feet. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh. Fernando concedes and says... Uh, yeah, I'll take you to the airport. I'll go get the keys. And Sarah is sort of ambushed at the bottom of the stairs by Galaglass and Fernando. And Fernando's like, hmm, Galaglass yeah, had the keys. I know. That was, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, Diana needs you. And this is what Galaglass was trying to convey to Sarah. Diana needs you. And Sarah's feeling useless there because she was all engrossed with Phoebe and everything. I get it, Sarah. Yeah. But, you know, she does need you. Wouldn't she be saying, like, how? Why, why isn't she involving me then? Yeah. yeah. But I, what I I love just like the light bulb turns on. She's like, well, how the hell do you know that? Yeah. Her skepticism just turned on immediately. It's like, Whoa. I love when she walked down the stairs and looked at Fernando and like, you fucking traitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Fernando says he had the keys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so back at Hubbard's at Houndstitch, Diana is there now, and I, I suppose she waited in the waiting room like everybody else. <laughs> well, he poured her tea and welcomed her in, though, too. He was, yeah, he was that's far true. more hospitable to her. And then she brings up the fact she's like, hey, dude, you have something that I need. Pages from the Book of Life. And Hubbard's like, dude, I have one page and Peter was here looking for it already. And she's like, oh my God. And he's like, I didn't give it to him, but why should I give it to you, basically? Yeah, she was, kind of, she was trying to kind of low-key threaten him. I'm like, mm, no, that's not the play here. Yeah. So essentially the end of the conversation, Diana's like, uh, Peter sucks, Gerber isn't better, and I'm a member of your flock, so... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hubbard, I thought, gave it up rather easily and was yes. like... Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, Diana, I trust you, but don't fuck this up, okay? That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm noticing that throughout each episode is that it's given up very easily. And I understand we only have seven episodes, so you can't really linger, but it's too quick. Yeah. Why should I give it to you? Because I'm a member of your flock? Okay. Yeah, it's like, come on, at least, <laughs> at least give three reasons instead of one. Right. Okay, so back in New Orleans, Jack is drawing. Basically, he has all the people that he's killed them as mine, and he's drawing them out. And Matthew's like, at least you have an outlet, dude. I just keep the shit in my head and brood about yeah. it. You know? <laughs> so there's that. I thought this scene was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say more in the spoilers. Well, I, I think this whole scene that. in a lot of ways is all about fathers and sons. 
this whole yeah whole episode really is. I thought so. Yeah. So and on the phone, Phoebe and Marcus are checking in with each other, and then we get the hint that Phoebe is open to a big change in her life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hint, hint. Yeah. Be careful. Love you. Bye. I'm like, all right, cool. Later that night, Marcus is led into a club, and we're, we're to assume this is a domino. Well, there's club, a domino right? on the door, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want it to be too obvious, but you yeah. know, hey, here we go. Yeah. Geraldine is in conversation with someone. Oh, I want that skirt. I want that skirt so bad. <laughs> now I have to screenshot the skirt. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> and um, Marcus is there to see Ransom and we pan into Ransom on the stairs and I think he's so pretty. He is. Can oh we talk God. about the club yeah. though too? Sure. How did you guys feel about it? It seemed too modern to me. It felt like they were trying to go... To me, I, I got the hint of the seance room at Muriel's, which I loved. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it was very House of Blues <laughs> to me. <laughs> Maybe more foundation room than just House of Blues, but... Maybe upstairs would be more, you know, the the look I was... But when you walked in, I was just mm-hmm. like, this is just any other club. But yeah. to me, it looked like they took the crown and heart and redid it because they had the same... They, they're, same creaky wooden floors, the same right. staircase that went up to the rooms, you know, and I could just yeah. picture uh-huh. like Kit standing at the top of the stairs instead of Ransom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And it was very dark. I mean, very yeah, dark. It was a very dark, dark scene. It was kind of hard. So, to... I mean, and that's what Elizabethan, you know, there was a lot of darkness. Right. Ransom's on the stairs and I'm just going to put a clip of their conversation here. You can't avoid me forever. I suppose you already know why I'm here. You want us to sign up to your war against the congregation? Once again, we're to be to declare our sacrificial lambs. Matthew is forming a scion so that doesn't happen again. There are elements of the congregation that want to use blood rage to grab power. To frighten other creatures into submission. Baldwin could order another massacre tomorrow. He's already ordered Matthew to kill one vampire in his line. But Matthew refused. Matthew is trying to find another way. And that starts with a cure to blood rage. You can help us figure out why you and I aren't afflicted. He can't change what's already happened. But he can own it, Marcus. Just by being there, he's opened the wounds that have barely had a chance to heal. I'm glad that Matthew's found his conscience. But I can't help thinking it's a couple centuries too late. I will say one more thing about Marcus kind of slapped his dick on the table and said, dude, I'm here as your dad. Your you sire. to talk to me. <laughs> yeah. Which I kind of All right, daddy. And I will have to say the other line, when Ransom made the comment about being sacrificial lambs, it was everything I imagined in my head when we talk about this in the spoiler zone when he and Matthew first meet as far as the way he said the line. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. Put a pin in that. All right. So the next thing we see, Jack is in the graveyard again. Apparently he likes to hang out there. And Ransom shows up. Ransom is just, you know, checking him out. He's surrounding him. He's doing his little vampire. Hey, I'm getting close 
closer I'm getting closer and that sends Jack into sort of a blood rage and Ransom says oh, what's so special about you fuck you got blood rage and how are you still alive what yeah, you it's know. like, what's special about you? He killed everyone else. Why is he saving you? In the way they filmed that whole scene in the graveyard, I just got such a Papa Legba vibe with the whole yeah. circling vampire style and whatnot. I don't know if that was intentional, but they really kind of seem to be leaning, leaning into, into some that. of the stereotypical kind of voodoo vibes. I agree. So. I thought it was abrupt, though, too. All of a sudden, Ransom popping up. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Like, what led him to go there? It was an awkward transition. So all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's in the graveyard. Like, boo. Hi. Yeah. I'm, I'm scared. Gene, I think I mentioned to you before we even saw the episode, we saw stills uh-huh. of this scene. And I'm like, aren't you hot in that Ransom? That coat? But then I'm like, oh, yeah. he's a vampire. <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> it's cold-blooded. Uh, yeah. I didn't understand a Letterman's jacket either. That was an interesting mm. style choice for... Not that he doesn't look nice in it, but Nora. New Orleans and his character. and Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I, I was thinking more like high-end Versace and... <laughs> I love Jean's imagination. I love it. I I grew up on too many fashion magazines. (laughs) So back at Marcus's uh, New Orleans house, Jack's like, sorry, guys, he saw me. Oops. (laughs) 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 Meaning ransom. And he's like, he thinks you're hiding me. (laughs) I I can totally see Matthew's like, yeah, we were hiding you. Yeah, we were trying, but you weren't cooperating with the plan at all. But ransom texts and says he's ready to meet him now, meaning Matthew. So, hey, Jack, I just put you down, but hey, good job. Yep. <laughs> good oh, job. Yeah. So as a TV viewer, what are you to believe changed Ransom's mind? Uh, the fact that Jack is still alive and connected to Matthew somehow. Uh, so if that, nothing else, he wants to find out what that's why. all about? Yeah. yeah. Why? Basically, he wants to know his whys. Why did you do these things? Mm-hmm. And so now we're going back to England. Phoebe and Diana are at the London house and they're tracking the last page. And Phoebe has found a sale to a TJ Weston. And I have to say, Ooh. I like that skirt too. That oh, cute okay. little plaid, purple plaid skirt was very... They've made some nice costuming choices for Phoebe. Yeah. Kept, and I know Adele was very pleased too. Yeah. I think she was considering yeah. filming she was, some of it. Yeah, her Instagram <laughs> photos showed how pleased she was. So now we're back in the US, back in NOLA. Matthew is, he heads out to the club and he's got the car. He's just going in fancy. I know. <laughs> car picks him up. You see him driving through town. Car drops him off. It feels like a mob. It hit. does. It does. Yes. That was the vibe does. I got when the car picked him up. And I think that's kind of the, the feeling that Marcus got too, because he's like, yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> it's like Danny Brasco. <laughs> <laughs> right. When Jack and Marcus were on the steps and, and yeah. Matthew takes off in the car and Marcus is like, yeah. I don't know if I Wait, like I saw the, like, I saw the scene in a Scorsese movie and it did not end yes. well. <laughs> Usually ends up with a spray of bullets. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Didn't that happen to Hoffa? He got in a car. I know. Somebody sent for him. So at the congregation, Gerbert and Benjamin are having a meeting. And the essence of this conversation is, hey, Diana's pregnant and they're trying to figure out how this happened. Wait, there was and- a conversation? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I was distracted. (laughs) There was a conversation that happened. (laughs) It's like... All age, you, you covered a whole age range there. It's like, okay, were people yeah. talking? So Benjamin concludes, hey, this is our moment to strike. And then Gerber's like, hey, they're busy destroying each other. Don't get in the way of that. And th- that's like that. Now let them do our work for us. I like that. And that's that old wisdom. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. no, they're doing it. So let them yeah. 
be patient that off. Patient yeah. isn't only a declaremont virtue. <laughs> right. And if you were actually a declaremont, you'd know that. You'd know better. <laughs> All right, so back in New Orleans, the car pulls up to the club and Matthew approaches Ransom and the names, guys. Mm, I loved it. The names. Malachi Smith. Friendly, big smile. He was walking down Bourbon Street. He stopped for a cigarette and then I killed him. Suzette Boudreau. Beautiful blonde hair. Spoke immaculate French. I pretended to be lost. She gave me directions. And then I killed her. Sandrine Lachalier. She would often visit the Saint Louis Cemetery. Someone she cared about was laid to rest there. And on a rainy Sunday afternoon, that's where I killed her. Miss anyone out. And I'll kill you myself. All right. Fabienne Guidry gave her time to the orphan asylums in St. Cornelius Everett. One morning she never arrived. He was fishing out by you. I killed her. Seemed happy. Sophie Mathieu wouldn't leave her home. I'm not sure you ever knew I was there. She knew I was coming and she was ready. So yeah, be sure. But I still killed her. Emerged from the mid Bridget got shot. I killed during an autumn storm. Oh, I was so The writers did we... such a good job punctuating each name with, and then I killed him. And then yes. I killed her. Yes. And she was afraid. And then I killed her. And she didn't know I was there. And then I killed her. And, you know, he'd bring up little details. Pretty blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And she was doing this. She was, a, she, she someone was... she loved was buried in the cemetery. And I yes. killed her. Mm-hmm. And then I killed her. I mean... Yeah. Oh, you're sad? I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Yeah. I was so afraid we weren't going to get that scene at all. And it was just going to be expository. But the fact that they expanded it in the way that they did was fabulous. They expanded it and they improved it. Yes. Because it wasn't just a set of names. It was what they were doing, what he noticed. And and how ingrained it was in his memory. And how it affects him since he memorizes them. And then the way it built and built and built. And Ransom yes. telling him, if you forget one, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Then, yeah. He saved the best oh, for last. That was, that I was like your a mate. Oh, Suck yeah. That was for the viewer. Dagger yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I'm not going to leave this for the spoilers because that's not really spoilery, but Deb's writing song when she was writing the book of life was Family Tree by Kings of Leon. Uh, yeah. For this particular scene. And I thought it was perfection always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This goes hand in hand with this. This was beyond expectations, this scene. It was as much as the scene affected me in the book. Because, I mean, the way they described it, the way Deb mm-hmm. described it, it's like they, they were there till dawn. And, you know, with the background pictures of the sun coming mm-hmm. up. And yes. I killed him. I killed him. And her. it was like Matthew Good. It, he looked like he was hovering on the brink of tears, like holding back yes. the tears. Yes. His the way, delivery. The way his eyes were just shiny and like... You you were just waiting for that teardrop to fall. And he didn't have to say the empty words like, I'm sorry, or I have remorse. You could feel yes. it. Yeah. And that's, oh, that's another thing I loved about this scene where like, what do you need from me? And Ransom says, remorse. 
remorse. I need to know that you know what was taken from us. And he's like, I'm sorry it happened. He's like, no, it didn't happen. It was done to us. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's like that was such a powerful delivery because it's it's such a big difference between something happening and something being done to you. Yeah. Something happens, an asteroid falling from the sky and killing some of your family. Something that was done to you. You know, Matthew was following his duty. You did it. You 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 stalked every one of these people and you did this. Did this. Yeah. So in the end of all of that, Ransom just holds out his hand and he joins a scion with a handshake. <laughs> I mean, I was like, really? After all that drama? Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> I know. I just now, of course, a moment of lightness. I'm like being Matthew, like, oh, should I better not forget one name? Like being in the spelling bee. I know how to spell this word. I know it. I know. Oh, I know it. <laughs> I just went over this while I was on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> I practiced this one. <laughs> so off Matthew drives and we see him call Diana and they catch up and then he passes the news to Jack and Matthew apologizes to Marcus. That was a and it, yeah. And I, I loved it. And it was nothing drawn out. Uh, mm-hmm. He says, I'm sorry for what I've done, you know. And Marcus is like, thank and you. And he showed he the shame just like yeah. washed across his face too, which was yes. just another perfect. After the smirk in the town car, it was like such a quick change, but it worked. I felt Marcus deserved that. He did. He, definitely. Because you could tell it affected him. I mean, go Ed. Yeah. Come on the show, Ed. Seriously. Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> Back in Venice, uh, statues in the witch's archives, I assume. Yes. And Benjamin enters and Benjamin offers an alliance to destroy Diana. And Satu's like, nah, I'm taking that bitch out by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say this. They are a visually striking couple. It's like, talk about the terror yeah. twins. Oh, my God. I mean, from his face to her face. Mm. And Benjamin's really sorry to hear that. Oh, well, yeah. OK. And that is the end. Yes. And our outro music on this was really well done as well. They're doing a great job picking out the closing songs and once again and so you have anything to say about this episode before we go Angela I think you had some things didn't you um, I think we, we covered it but I don't know I just it. my gripes are just that things are sold too easily and I guess yeah. the two out of this one is Father Hubbard and Ransom and yeah. I get we have a finite amount of time limited amount of episodes but just maybe beef up the uh, like Jean said maybe three reasons not just one reason or give me I'm not saying you have to give a Battle of Agincourt speech but could you give like a little bit more I don't know. Make me feel. That's what I. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. think that I was like, oh, I'm so angry about this thing. Okay, well, here's this. Okay, and then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I noticed it especially in this episode, there was a lot of like tiny. Ch- we were changing scenes constantly, and some of them were just like teeny tiny info dumps. I was going to ask that of you guys. Is that normal? I don't, I only notice it in a Discovery Witches and it's not just this season, but it seems to be like on steroids for this season. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, now we're here, now we're there, now we're here. I feel like they were expanded scenes at one point. Yeah. Yeah. But they couldn't, couldn't entirely lose them because then you lose the plot, the purpose. Yeah. The plot driver. That's what I'm thinking about the scene with Ransom and Jack. There had to be something before this. Yeah. The writers had it in their head. What, how, what led him up to this? 
But all of a sudden he was just there. Yeah, all of a sudden you're yeah. in the, the, the cemetery and he's just there. And it's like, and how did he know to be there? And you know, there's these <laughs> questions. And it, it's like, how did he just show up at Jack's cemetery yeah. w- without even knowing anything further? I mean, I guess we, we'll probably talk about this more um, when we do our wrap up episode at the end about this episode in yeah. particular, because there, I, th- I have some theories. Okay. okay. I mean, to me, a quick bridge could have just been him ransom talking to Geraldine and saying, I got to find that kid or something more clever than that. Yeah. yeah. And then him going outside and like showing his like vampire instincts on like radar. Right. Yeah. And how did he know about Jack? Right. Oh, because Marcus yeah. told Celine and Bud Light kid. Oh, right. Okay. That he's changed. Yeah. That's what was right. his, I think his name okay. was Brody. I'm not sure. I don't know. He had a name in the credits and I just can't remember it now. And I'm just like, geez, Marcus, you just chose a bunch of kids to yeah. talk. I was going to say, it looked yeah. like Vampire Romper Room. <laughs> it's like, I need some friends. Okay, cool. <laughs> So, yeah, I think my big thing about this was uh, the main takeaway was I like how um, there'll be more in the spoiler zone, but I like how they took some of the characters were missing in um, in the book to the TV show. Mm -hmm. I like how we incorporated who we already had to take up those slots. There's that more in the spoiler zone. Yeah. Yeah. And that naming scene. Spectacular. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And I will say, I just love the whole idea of the NOLA chapter. Yeah, I, I do too. And the overall fact that the episode was able to spotlight it and put an emphasis on it. And, I, you know, for almost a whole episode out of yeah. only having seven, I, I like yeah. that they put more of a spotlight on Matthew's journey than you would have gotten otherwise, which I will yeah. save for yes. a minute. Yeah, true. After we sound the alarm, we'll talk about that more. Are you, are you ready to sound the alarm? Uh, yeah. 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 Switch over. Let's do that. Okay, so audience, now's your time to get the fuck out of here. Demon kiss. <laughs> Those of you who don't want spoilers. So, uh, Gene, mm-hmm. go ahead. Do your thing. And we'll talk to you all next week for the rest of yep. you, though. Stay tuned past this break, and we will enter the spoiler zone. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact, and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form, and bam, you're a discuss. And the link to join our Facebook group is there, too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at demons discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive and we need her around, okay? Keep it Right. I have a lot of things for this. I know. <laughs> I, Remember we I had a, a one lister. She, she's like, I willingly went in the spoiler zone, even though I knew I'd be spoiled, but I didn't expect that. I won't say what it was because that'll still be spoilery. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> like we told you. Yeah. We told you. <laughs> we did warn you. Yeah. I didn't have an alarm, so let's we don't want to hear about it. <laughs> she did disclaim that she intentionally went there to see yes. what the hell we were gonna talk about. But uh, what do you have for this episode? I have several things. So I'm so glad we're out of Diana's point of view and we actually got Matthew's point of view in Orleans. Yes. But wasn't that omniscient though? Yeah, but I I, I think even with the omniscient you it was kind of at a distance. We didn't really get into Matthew's head too much. Yeah. It wasn't like a head hopping kind of omniscient. So it was kind of nice to see and really dig into what he was doing and what was going on there instead of just sort of a narrative about, yeah, we're all down here making cribs or whatever. Right. (laughs) Hanging out. Right. We didn't get the cannonball in Marcus's house at Morgini, but that's okay. I think the fact that it was just Jack and Marcus in New Orleans with Matthew Mm -hmm. really helped that along because it's like they brought a whole retinue oh, yeah. of people yes. in the book. And they made it so. very much, it was, this is father and sons, and yes. not only with Matthew and Jack and, and Marcus, but with Marcus and Ransom. I like that. You're able to see Marcus's journey too, because he went from this 200-year-old vampire in season one that reluctantly took over the Knights of Lazarus. And now he's holding his own yeah. because he's taking responsibility. You're getting to see his family. Jack is now the kid in the family. Mm-hmm. You remember when Matthew had to go fucking get him out of jail? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Season one>. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like, Christ, Marcus. <laughs> Marcus is just sitting there like, well, what do you expect from yeah. me? I'm an idiot. What? <laughs> right, right. You know? So he's come a long way. The Lucy thing. The fact that we lost Lucy. They utilize Phoebe in a way where she makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, she's got the background for it. We've already seen that she's really good at research and tracking things down. So what yeah, I also she, liked she was is used they well. used the, the librarian at the British Library as more of like the camera Diana was worried about. Yes. Right. 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 <laughs> yes. The gal glass thing. Uh, I mean, that's more apparent that he's going to be there regardless. It's like, yeah, Matthew's orders. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it didn't okay. even sound convincing. No. Though I have to say, his beard's a distraction. I wish they'd like use some beard oil or something, but yeah, that's not going to happen. I know. I know. Oh. It's already done. It's all done. But it's like, mm. At least there was no neck beard going on. Right. So in New Orleans, when Jack was drawing all his victims, that was a less intense scene than the mural scene in the Book of Life. But we still got the gravity. Yeah, we got the gravity of it. And we also got the gravity of how Matthew deals with his pains and issues because he didn't have an outlet except for beating himself up. The right. funny thing is, yeah. I kind of saw that scene as Jack having something to teach Matthew about yeah. their shared affliction, which was kind of quietly elegant. And he's able to impart to Jack, hey, at least you're yeah. doing something about it. You know, yeah. at least you're drawing. Mm-hmm. Not me. I beat myself up. Yeah, you, you've, already <laughs> found a, you've already found a better way to handle it than I've had in 1500 years. Yeah. Yeah, true. He's not so fastidious. You think those miniatures would have <laughs> surfaced in the house and someone would have seen them. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized she had to get the page from Hubbard. But that yes. scene was a little bit weird. Yeah. I kind yeah. of liked it better when she just whipped it out of the, his briefcase in the book. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't make sense in the moment when they're in the parking garage. Oh, by the way, here's yeah. his page. <laughs> so. He has a good hiding spot on the yeah. back of the picture of, uh, of the crucifixion. Jesus. True. 
Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> and accepting a flock member in the middle of the office, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. As we said, welcome to manpower. Oh, I know. It was, it was very like old school manpower. It looked like they stole the old like newsroom set from, uh, If does anybody remember? Oh, what was it? Show, was it Daily Edition? Where he got oh. the next day's newspaper er, a day early. Oh, with, um, I remember right. that. The guy yeah. from Friday Night Lights. <laughs> it kind of reminded yes. me of that or like the news room from an old Superman show. Yeah. Yeah. So TJ Weston, I'm not going to divulge anything oh, he's in the further. Previews. He's in the previews and uh, we'll see more about that. But he does exist. Yes. So you book readers. And he's and he's been recast. He's been recast. It's not who we thought. Okay, we're not going to jump ahead. Yeah, we're not going to jump we ahead. Can't do it. So. No. no. Well, I was just okay. going to say he, he doesn't look like a died in the world, tried and true Englishman. Let's just put it that way. He doesn't right. look like a Weston per se. So, what do you guys think of Asatu and Benjamin having an encounter? I mean, we didn't know if that had happened in the books. So, um, I kind of like yeah. I like it because it's like we got all that teasers about a coming battle, and then it was like mm-hmm. there was no battle. Yeah. Also, the fact that Satu is very proud of being a weaver mm-hmm. versus she was hiding it in oh yeah books. she's like mm-hmm. I'm the badass bitch here not her yeah which I kind of like I mean so. they're, they're setting well, she's, up and she's trying to tell everyone who will listen but no one will no. listen it's like yeah okay not mm. at all <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of foolish but the thing is I like that they're spreading the villainy around unlike the book yeah because it felt like everybody all the villainy sort of fizzled out in the book and then you just yeah. had Benjamin was the big bad and then he went poof yeah it's true now the voice Voynich versus this book, this book of Soiga. I don't know what the book of Soiga The book of Soiga was the book that was missing that Deb found in real life. That's what the book of Soiga was. <laughs> oh, okay. That was miscatalogued <laughs> in the British Museum, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure oh. it was in the British Museum that it was missing, but it may have been the Bodley, and I have to relook up that story. But yeah, it was the book of Soiga that she discovered in real life, which the whole Ashmole 782 kind of spun off of. I like that we got to see Marcus softening up his family members, mm-hmm. or trying to anyway, whereas like, yeah, me in. We haven't played cards in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. One of the bodies going to start flying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck you. You brought the devil back so. to town. <laughs> and Sarah, where I think they were just laying there and Phoebe and Diana were talking and they were something about well, the vampires have one page, witches have another page. Oh, why wouldn't a demon? And then Sarah pipes in. She's like, yes. yeah. And she's just sitting there laying there bored. And yeah. she does have something to yeah. contribute here. And I, I really wish they'd paid more yeah. attention to her. Yes. Yeah. It, it kind of fits, though, because that's sort of the way Diana's always treated Sarah. Because don't forget, even Matthew and Hamish showed her more respect than Diana sometimes does when they pulled her into the night's meeting yeah. at the homestead, you know, and a discovery of witches. I mean, in the way they did that scene, they did kind of telegraph how Diana always takes her for granted and continues to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Diana is a little bit biased. She's like, yeah, she's just a kitchen witch. You know, she's just spell witch. I mean, you can tell her bias because Rebecca, and we already saw this in season two, Rebecca was supposedly blessed with all these powers and Sarah is a very powerful witch. However, her blessings are in casting spells mm-hmm. and this, that, and the other thing. But she always got the impression that witches looked down on that, even with some of Peter's yeah. comments. Yeah. Oh, you're and all just hedge witches. Like, yeah. 
or yeah, we're going to need somebody besides spellcasters. We're going to yeah. need this. And he said that to Satu and Satu's like, you don't know. I've been to Weaver school. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea yeah, he, what I can do. He just stereotyped her because he found her living in a cabin on a lake in the middle of nowhere. I know. With all that jank, janky but he stuff needed her, around. But he needed her and saw her power and took her. So why is he all snooty hoity-toity when he relies on a fucking ball yes so the other thing i noticed as a real big change from the book is in the book you've got ransom who is very clear he is part of the upper echelon of old school norlands like runs with Mm -hmm. the power brokers and everything else but in the show is he seems he runs with a far different crowd because he seems more keyed into the dark side Mm -hmm. way that he leans into the whole like you get this like very modernized papa leg a look for him and, and just he kind of reminds me of a Bond villain the way he entered to be honest with you it was like yeah, very yeah, live and let yeah, die yeah. kind of vibe to the whole mm. thing I mean from the books and even from Deb's comments you would never know like he was one of the not the founder of New Orleans but like of Mardi yeah. Gras and mm-hmm. of a lot of the tradition there and he's Mr. New Orleans like he's the unofficial mayor of New Orleans mm-hmm. yeah and you wouldn't get that from him no and how they wrote him and how they wrote him, and they wrote him more Yeah, more criminal. More, like criminal. Like a recluse yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah. Like more like... The mob boss like in the Matrix. The mob <laughs> boss nobody sees. Yes, yes, exactly. Geraldine is the eyes and ears, mm-hmm. you know, the consigliere. She's out there with her finger on the pulse being a lawyer in, in the courthouse. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And carrying back stories That's- to the recluse. Which, I mean, with the addition of the fact that the dead was his mate would make sense, which was not something that the abbreviated scene in the book was able to give us. Yeah, that's true. The fact that Galaglass is just there. I mean, he is just there all the fucking time. And they make a point of it. It's like... And Diana's like, yep, yeah, I'll plan to go in the morning. And Gal like is like, yeah, he pops what up time? like whack a mole. Yeah. So yeah. there's no doubt yeah. where that's going. Where that's going. But since we're so, not going to talk mm. about future episodes, we're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like you said, Angela, everybody kind of gave in too easy. Yeah. Exactly. Like you said, it's just like, mm, I feel like a lot of this stuff could have been expanded into eight episodes mm-hmm. and probably should have but with covid restrictions and all so and it wasn't bad and i I think i'm pleasantly surprised on how they're handling this even though a lot of the cut scenes are just like wow i mean (laughs) it could have been even better with 10 i mean there's enough there that we could have had had 10 episodes like season two but and, and the fact that we're already in new orleans and we're not even halfway through right and here's another thing that i noticed mm-hmm. in the books I was always under the impression that Gerbert and Peter were more in league. Now I see, well, in the TV show, we have the impression that Peter is more like a rogue agent, just grappling at anything he can get to get that kind of power. In the League of Villains, he's the one that they all think is like kind of shitty. (laughs) 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 And he's starting to look more unhinged as we go. We we don't really want you in our club because we know you're going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) And Gerbert is just cool as a oh, cucumber. Yeah. He's just yeah. Like, wait. I mean, this is his line when he says, you know, when Benjamin says, let's strike first. And he says, why do it now? Let them destroy themselves. You know, they're, they're already active doing it. it. Explains why everyone is coming to him with information. And he's just sitting back. You're like, why isn't he doing anything in season two or season three? Yeah. That's why. I just love that yeah. Gerber is not the buffoon that he is in the book. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> Although that made me laugh. <laughs> They've kind we of made like Peter the buffoon that Gerber was in the book. 
I mean, Peter is just grasping at anything. He needs a yeah. foothold. The congregation was his foothold. And, and that's what we kind of get. He is the bureaucrat on jet fuel. Like the yeah. frustrator. He needs bureaucrat. the title of being uh, being on the congregation. He needs that. Now he we see that. His job because without, without that. his job, he's lost his mind. Right. He's just out there. I mean, he's going to Hubbard of all people. And Hubbard was like, I don't yeah. give a fuck. Wait. <laughs> you know. And you can tell Benjamin's more of a man of action and impulse versus Gerber is like, no, just wait. We have all the time in the world. You're a yeah. fucking vampire. Mm-hmm. Chill. And Benjamin has no chill. He's probably part of his problem. Did we ever establish if Benjamin actually has blood rage? In the TV show. Uh, yeah, I thought so. I think that's a, that was the mm. purpose of all the dead bodies in the hotel room. The the Dexter scene. Yeah, I guess so. And I thought that the conversation when um, Matthew and Diana were walking after they stormed out of dinner mm-hmm. and they were walking yeah. along the water there, I thought they kind of mentioned... I would have to go back and look at that because I'm like, I don't have the impression that this guy has blood rage. No, well, he, no, they said he had blood rage. He he said he had blood rage, and but, you know, Matthew thought I was going to go mad and, and destroy myself. Right. But I guess, his, I guess his narcissistic personality disorder actually helped him handle it. <laughs> He's like... Yeah, no. Blood rage isn't yeah. going to take me down. I'll control yeah, So he taught himself yeah, how I'm to so control it. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he knew how to coax Jack into oh. it. I mean, just manipulative and He learned awful. a lot from the Nazis in World War II. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Or maybe they learned a lot from him. <laughs> Chris and Miriam? Hey, yeah. go ahead. With yeah. my yes. blessing. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> With my blessing. I like these two. In the I, show. I think it goes without saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Book versus TV that we love TV, Chris. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much so that he wound up on the yes. cover. He yes. earned his way onto okay. the cover last, for last week's episode. Okay. I do have to say I love TV, Chris, the way he's written, the way he, he Ivano uh, portrays him, but I love the actor. I love the actor. Yes. Yes. He's so approachable. I mean, he's very, he's subtle. He's, he's approachable and, and he's, He's giving you the skeptic you need everywhere else, Angela. I think that's why you love him so much. Because he's he's the only one here yes. that's kind of skeptical. Like, really? Show, Show me. me. <laughs> Prove yeah. it to me. Yeah. He and he and Geraldine exactly. are pretty much the only two skeptics we get so far. It's true. I think we've raked this episode to death. So I think that's good for that. But since we're not doing after parties, we did get a couple of notes from mm-hmm. our listeners. And we're going to share them now. So, Gene, we'll start with you. Or Angela, no, let's start with you. Who was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. We have Kathy who wrote in. Okay, Kathy. She says, Satu, already contriving evil, is so cranked up right at the first congregation turn of the key. Love it. Stay on that gal's good side. Peter McDonald, I'm all in. He's bringing it in Venice and set to her. Matthew, clothes, hair. It's about time. (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) Yes, it sure is. Absolutely. It's about time and looking fine. (laughs) Literally, his glances are on point. Does he practice? He's uh, a trained actor, so yeah. And his hair, his, his hair is totally on point this season. Yeah. And, yes, and in this particular whole, episode, Kathy, you are going to... The, the smirk in the limo on the way back when he's talking to Diana is like, oh, chef's kiss. Yes. Yeah. The whole episode, I agree, is is cold opening. Jumped right in, and I like that. I liked mm-hmm. how everyone was getting checkup. Yeah. Lindsay Duncan feeling lost, not attending funeral. Thoughtful regarding yeah. fires. She's evolved fully. 
Gallo Glass's entrance was spot on. I thought hugging uh, with Gallo Glass is kind of odd. She's talking about Mm -hmm. Diana rushing to him and hugging him. And then, okay, bye. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And dinner, where did Phoebe go? She just sort of disappeared. Okay. Gerbert's jewelry. She loves it. Everyone is kicking it right away, especially Agatha. Chris, I like better at this point. Less attitude, bravado towards Matthew. Ladies, thanks for all the work over the holidays. Kathy. And that was reference episode one. So thank you, Kathy, for writing in. And uh, we got some additional news. So, Jean, go ahead. Um, This is from from Snow Patty. We're we're time stamping this episode. Um, On Monday of this week, Deb announced that she had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer and had already been seeking treatment in the weeks leading up to her announcement, uh, had had mentioned yeah. she had had surgery and they were embarking on the next phase of her treatment. And yeah. Snow Patty had this to say about it. And I think it pretty much encapsulates how we were all feeling on Monday. And she said, it's such a sad yeah. day for all of us. I can't stop crying. Yeah. 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 We were all there on Monday and it's still hard to comprehend in a way. Exactly. It's sad, but it's just another another part of this journey and it's hard to find out. Yeah. It's especially if you're, you know, Deb and you get that diagnosis, yeah. but when there's hope yes. and treatments, that's yeah. all we can do. And she's in, it, it sounds and like she's in yeah. very good hands in yeah. LA. There are some fantastic oncologists, fantastic yeah. gynecological oncologists, and she is seeing top people from what she has let us in on on Twitter. Yeah. If anybody wants to send their best wishes on to her, our Facebook page has all the information as far as how to get in contact with her and send her a card oh, or yeah. socks. Like, apparently the socks yeah. are already coming in. To keep her feet warm. Yeah, <laughs> Good. Uh, good. Look good. for, Jean, you had provided the healing hands yes, uh, chakra. chakra. Look for yeah. that on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. <laughs> it's easy to yeah. find. <laughs> I'll also put a link to mm-hmm. that in the show notes, you guys. So it, even in the episode notes, if you're just on your phone listening to this episode, just click the uh, podcast cover and you'll get all the rest of the notes and you'll see it. I'll put links to the Instagram mm-hmm. and the Facebook posts. I won't actually put the address on those, but it's on the Facebook posts and you can just click and see it. And don't play Google Doctor because you'll make yourself crazy. Yeah, no joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no joke. So, yeah, there's that. And our well wishes mm-hmm. go out to Deb and her family and, uh, you know, heal. heal. <laughs> Just concentrate on healing yourself mm-hmm. and, as we all should be doing. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're going into year three of this BS. Yeah, we are. It's like 2022 stop already. We're only oh, 15 days God. in. Well, Bill Gates has a optimistic outlook. Does he? Yeah. He's saying, wait, this is the man who created Bing. (laughs) (laughs) He also created Microsoft laptops. Yeah, Yeah, he did. We're not going to talk about that right now. Yeah. Um, I didn't read the article, but he supposedly he thinks, and I'm not sure what qualifies him to think this, but he thinks that after Omicron, it's going to wane out and then it's going to just be with us for the rest of our existence, but more like seasonal cold and flu. Well, I mean, I guess that's okay. (laughs) I guess. Coming from I guess somebody that's who's not an epidemiologist, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I mean, yet, we've, yet people think that he c- contrived all he of this and, you know, all, conspiracy theorists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, guys. Yeah, I think that's all I have. You guys have anything else before we say goodbye? Mm-hmm. I just can't wait to see when we release this episode and what your cover is going to look like. Oh, yeah. I think you know what my cover is going to look like. I, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like okay so just to clue you in the episode cover for episode 
two was Chris, just because we spent so much time in the book talks bashing him. And we love this new and improved guy. We, I would call it bashing him. We just did not didn't vibe, vibe with, with it. Chris. And the character was very static. He did not survive the end of the decade. <laughs> and yeah, changing no, yeah. no. The, the character did not age yes. well. No, it didn't. So. And I, I think I had that attitude back in 2014 when we read it. And I, yeah. Uh, Jean can attest. We were back and forth. I was like, I really don't like well, this guy. Well, yeah, same <laughs> you know? here. I mean, for different reasons. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was just because he was such yeah. an old way of behaving, a very patriarchal right. 70s sort of attitude mm-hmm. towards everyone yeah. who was not of their peerage. Also, yeah. he did not come off like a colleague or a best friend. He came off as just this bully. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't like it. This but, cr- okay, back, back to this, to the- Chris. This Chris, this Chris earned a nice top spot on our covers. And if you notice in the other seasons, I did not highlight people. People, Yeah, but I think this year I'm going to highlight people. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the present. The cast is of the present. Mm -hmm. So I like that you'll highlight people. Yeah. So that's it for me, Angela. Anything? No. I don't have anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've we've picked the bones. I think we did. All right. Let's say goodbye, goodbye, everybody. everybody. Team and kiss. Bye. Go have yourself a turbo dog and some voodoo chips. Yeah. Not Bud Light. Not Bud Light. (laughs) We'll talk to you all next week. Excellent. Demons Discuss and Demons Domain are independent and not affiliated with Bad Wolf, Sky One, Sundance Now, and Shudder. Clips of the TV show and soundtrack are used for the purpose of commentary only. The soundtrack is an original score by Rob Lane and the Chamber Orchestra of London. The soundtrack is available for purchase on iTunes. 